David, a man after God's own heart, about six months ago, I started um, praying and, and seeking guidance on what fall series I should have here at Community. And, and I always go through a number of, of different uh, uh, subject matters and the like, and, and I kept coming back to David. David is uh, probably my, my favorite Old Testament character, which is why my first son is named David, by the way. Because uh, David was just uh, with so much to learn. And in fact, he, more than anyone else, is mentioned from the Old Testament in the New Testament. And he, of course, would be through his line of king in, in which uh, Jesus Christ would come as well. Uh, David, as a teenager, was, we know was a shepherd. Uh, you uh, looked at Psalm 23 uh, last week together for a few moments, and we, we learned of David the shepherd. And as far as he knew, like any teenager would know today, uh, that's, he probably thought, well, I guess that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life, and I'm pretty good at it. Right, uh, boys and girls, you know that he was uh, David was able to 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 fight a bear and, and kill the bear and to fight a lion and kill a lion with his bare hands. So uh, he was a pretty tough guy. Uh, that would help him, of course, uh, with with God as his help as we someday would become a warrior. But he had no idea what his life was like would be like for him ahead of him. Uh, he wasn't a warrior at this time. His brothers were, but he wasn't. And the, 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 probably the furthest thing from his mind was that he would someday not only be a great warrior, but a great king. King Saul was the, uh, the person that God chose and Samuel anointed to be Israel's first king. And um, he was chosen because he was a good warrior and he was a big guy as well. We're going to be talking about a, a Samson in a couple of weeks. and uh, Not Samson, of Goliath. And we understand that Saul was a head taller than everyone else among Israel. And so because Israel's pleaded with God to give us a king, even though God said, I'm your king, you don't need one. No, we want a king like everybody else on the earth. Saul became the king. But he was rejected by God because of disobedience. In other words, he wasn't a person or a man after God's own heart. But then they had to decide. Israel had to decide. God, through Samuel, the prophet, had to decide, well, who would be next? Saul was this great. He was a great warrior. He killed his thousands. He was a great warrior, but the throne was going to be taken away from him because of his disobedience. And who would be the next person? And the most unlikely choice, isn't this how God often operates? God chooses someone who is the most unlikely kind of person to become the king, this, this shepherd boy. Some of you watched uh, Cinderella, the original version of what I call it, when I, the one I grew up with as a kid, right? And the prince is going around and trying to find out who, who that fair maiden was at his ball so that he could find her and marry her. But, and he went throughout the whole town and the whole city looking for her and, and wasn't to be found. And at the last house that he came to, and after, I think it was two sisters that, that uh, he talked to, and said, no, it's not them either. Is there anyone else in the kingdom? Well, we got Cinderella, you know, that up in the corner over there, uh, you know, but surely it's not her. Well, then let me see her, and lo and behold, it was her. She was the most unlikely person, they thought, uh, to be the king's uh, uh, person that he would eventually marry. It's, it's the same way with David. Uh, they came to, to, to Jesse and said, look, um, Sam, Samuel said, Jesse, who are your sons? Where are your sons? Who are they? And, 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 and they brought before Samuel, all these people who had, were known for their great, being great men of war, 
military, tough guys, just like Saul. And one by one, Samuel went through all these sons of Jesse. And Samuel would say, no, 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 no. And they're saying, well, that's it. That's all we got. And is there anyone else, says Samuel? And then somebody says, well, our youngest brother and the youngest son is tending sheep. But surely you, you, you couldn't have your eyes on him. He's not a warrior. He's not a proven warrior as of yet anyway. And he's just a kid. He's just a teenager. See, he's taking care of sheep. And Samuel says, bring, bring him before me. And he brought him before him. And then he kind of shocks Saul and Israel by saying, this is the guy. This is the person who's going to be the next king. And the reason being, because he was a man after God's own heart, unlike Saul. Let me share with you just a few verses from the scriptures that speak of this, and I'm going to talk about that a few moments this morning, what it means to be a person after God's own heart. Three different passages of scripture where it, this quality is mentioned regarding David. First of all, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, where Samuel was talking to Saul, and these are Samuel's words. But now your kingdom, Saul, will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And then a few chapters later, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. And now this is regarding David as God's choice. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Speaking of Saul, of course, the Lord does not look at these people as things the people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then finally, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 13, verse 22, these words. After removing Saul, he made David their king and testified concerning him. I have found David son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A man after God's own heart. This, this, this phrase, this sentence, this quality that, that God saw in David, it, it didn't trouble me for some time, but I really wanted to research it to say, what is that kind of person? A man after God's own heart. And, and I read, oh, so many articles. And some would say, here are the five qualities of a person after God's own heart. Here are the three qualities of a person of God's own heart. You know, you know similar, but adding some, taking some away. And I thought, well, there surely must be more than that. So I spent two or three times, I read through 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. Then I read through the Psalms of David. There were 73, 4, 5, 6. And I read them again. And then I went through First and Second Samuel again. I just started writing down qualities that, that David had that would qualify him as a person after God's own heart. And, and they were, these were qualities that he had in common with God, uh, character traits, virtues. These are things that kind of made David in sync with God. He liked the same things God liked. He disliked the things that God disliked. 
He had preferences that were God's preferences and so on. And I started becoming fascinated with all of these qualities so much so that I thought, I just can't share one or two or three of them. I'm going to share either what I found reading through First and Second Samuel and the Psalms of David, qualities that made him a person after God's own heart. And you'll find those actually in the back of your bulletin for those of you who, who took a bulletin coming in. I again put together an acronym of God's own heart. And I'm going to share with you this morning these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve attributes of someone after God's own heart. It's not going to take that long, but I want to show you what made David so different than Saul. And I want to share with you what God is still looking for in people like you and me who seek to become people after the heart of God. And for those who call themselves Christians, for those who call themselves believers in God and Jesus Christ, these are qualities that should be being developed in you, and you should be identifying any number of them in you, if indeed you are a person, a man or a woman or a child, after God's own heart. So as I go through these, I want you to, to, to search your own heart and discern in your own mind if you're well on the road towards becoming a person after God's own heart. Let's begin with the letter G. God's will versus your own. Psalm 40, verse 8, David says, I desire to do your will, O God. David was a person, unlike Saul, who wanted to fulfill his purpose for God in his life. David thought, maybe I'll just be a shepherd my whole life. This seems to be where I'm headed. But God had much bigger plans for David in becoming not only a king, but also a mighty warrior along with that. David desired to do the will of God, what God purposed for him. And for any person who calls himself a Christian and has a relationship with Jesus Christ, your will and desire should be taken to second place and having God's will, taking precedence over your own. That means, boys and girls, teenagers, adults, as we grow up, as we age, as we go through our life, you are always asking the question before you decide to do something, I surrender my will to God. What are God's plans for my life? And what is God's will for my life? Sometimes I'll talk to a young person. They'll say something like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm 14, 15 years old. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And I often will say, which is, which is good to have ambitions and dreams, I will often say, and make sure you take that before the Lord. And then I'll tell them my quick little short story. I was going to be a PE teacher. Uh, but you keep praying to God, what is, what is your will and purpose for my life? David understood that. And he says, I desire to do your will. If you're a person after God's own heart, you're desiring to do the will of God. The O has to do with obedience. It's a heart that obeys. Many times in the Psalms and, and through First and Second Samuel, you'll find words like, and David obeyed the Lord. Saul did not. Saul went out on his own and did things he wasn't supposed to do without inquiring of the Lord. First Samuel 13, verse 14, shows Saul's disobedience and David's obedience. Cadets, some of you, any cadets sitting here this morning? What, what, what's the cadet verse? He said, I trust on, 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 on uh, was it Wednesday nights? John 14, verse 15 is what? If, else let's help. If you love me, what? You will keep my commands. A heart 
that it's a heart after God or, or like God's own heart is a heart that says, I seek to obey the commands of the Lord. When God says something, I do it. Obedience is a big deal. Saul failed in that department. David did not. The D stands for delighting in the Lord, as someone who delights and finds satisfaction in the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 4, David says, I take delight in the Lord. And that simply means he, he finds all of his satisfaction and all of his joy in being in a personal relationship with God. That's what, what gave him total satisfaction in life. And if we seek to become a person after God's own heart, we understand as well. And Ecclesiastes talks a lot about this. Where do you go or to whom do you go to find satisfaction in life? What do you take most delight in in this world? David says, I take delight in the Lord. My soul is satisfied in him. Those who are people after God's own heart seek to find their delight and their joy and their satisfaction in God alone. And it could be that some of us look for that in all the wrong places. The S stands for seeking after God or seeking his face. David says in Psalm 119, verse 10, I will seek you with all of my heart. He says in Psalm 63, verse 1, earnestly I seek you. And in Psalm 27, verse 8, he says, my heart says, seek his face. Someone who has a heart after God is someone who is constantly seeking after God. James 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. If you have a heart that's like the heart of God, you will be seeking God's face, God's presence all the time. You'll find that the phrases I mentioned a moment ago uh, in First and Second Samuel, where, where it constantly says, and David inquired of the Lord. Before he went into battle, before he made decisions, and David inquired of the Lord. That was seeking God's face and seeking after God. The O, owning up to one's sins. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, 2 Samuel 24, verse 10. Whenever David was confronted with a sin in his life, David owned up to his sin. And you'll find these words three, four times in 1 and 2 Samuel, I have sinned. I've sinned. I, I, I didn't obey what, the way I was supposed to obey. And he took personal responsibility for it. He said, not only that, he knew how to confess the sin. We're going to be looking together, Lord willing, at Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, where David shows us how he confessed and, and, and took responsibility for his sin. A man after God's own heart takes personal responsibility for their sin. In other words, when we sin, when we are called to task regarding any activity in our life, we step forward and say, yes, I take responsibility for my sin. I have sinned, Lord. Owning up to your sin. The W has to do with weights on the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. How long did David have to wait once he was anointed king? Anybody know? Fifteen years. What? I'm anointed king now. I'm the big guy, Right? I'm ready to rule. Samuel anointed me. He'd be on the run as you read through. And I, let me encourage you, read through First and Second Samuel. We're not going to be able to deal with all those stories. But, but read through the stories. 
Uh, David was a person who had to wait on the Lord constantly as, as he was a fugitive a lot of those years. But he waited on the Lord. He had to wait 15 years before he was given the throne in which he was anointed for. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently. I waited patiently for the Lord. And the Lord did deliver me. We're not so good at that, are we? God wants us to be men and women and children after his own heart. And, and sometimes that means you've got to wait on God and get off of your timetable. This is really hard, isn't it? Have you ever found this to be hard in your life? Get off of your timetable, get on God's timetable. You're ready for something. You're sure it's the right thing. And you should get it now. But it doesn't come, and it doesn't come, and it doesn't come. Days, weeks, months, and years can pass, and it doesn't come. Those who have the heart of God are willing to wait upon the Lord. And how many of you have found that to be true in your own life? Where waiting was really hard, but once God got around giving you what you needed, and the time in which he did it, you say, boy, God had this thing all along, didn't he? Waiting on the Lord. The N has to do with not being perfect. All of us know David, right? He was a, this perfect king, wasn't he? Perfect believer. Never had a sin in his life. Or did he? This is always, you find this, some of you might find this surprising because you would think in order for God to use you as his servant, he'd have to be this spotless lamb like Jesus Christ. But as we go through the life of David, and I'm going to be preaching on some of these things, we find a man who was full of lust, a man who was full of adultery, a man who was, who was not only accessory to murder, but involved in a murder. And he wasn't the best father in the world. Not the best father. And you say, this was a man after God's own heart? We need to understand this because some of us hold ourselves back because we think we have to be perfect before God can use us in his kingdom. And you're going to wait your whole life and never arrive then. You understand? You never have to be perfect before God can use you in his kingdom. God takes someone like David who wouldn't be someone full of lust and committing adultery and accessory and involved in a murder and not a very good father. But he says, David, I know you. The good thing about it is you always come back to me because you own up to your sin. You're not perfect and you never will be. You're on the road to perfection. You should grow in Christ along the way. But that's never going to stop me from using you. So if that's holding anybody back here this morning, would you just surrender your heart to God and say, God, I, I've been focusing on my, on my sinful self way too much. And now I understand that you can use someone as me, as he does with all of us, the sinner that I am at times. God's own heart, the age has to do with honesty, integrity that are present. In Psalm 26 and in Psalm 101, David says, I have led a blameless life. Now you read that first of all and you go, come on, you just said all of these sins that are in your life and God still use you. I've led a blameless life. That is, he's not saying I was perfect. What he is saying is my goal in life is to be a person of integrity and to be blameless. And that's why when I did sin in my life, I'm able to come before the Lord and to say I've sinned. But he seeks, someone who has the heart of God is someone who seeks to live a blameless life, to be a person of integrity, to, to be a person who knows what is upright and seeks to follow that. And so you simply ask yourself a question this morning. Am I that kind of person? Am I an honest? Am I a person of integrity? And if you are, then you are a person who are seeking after the heart of God. 
The E has to do with exalting the Lord. Praise in the name of the Lord. We read from Psalm 145 this morning where he says, I will exalt the Lord and praise him who is most worthy of praise. When you read through the Psalms, more so than in First and Second Samuel, the Psalms of David, you're going to find somebody who is just the perfect model of what it means to be a worshiper of God. David knew how to worship. A constant worshiper. David wrote... 73, 4, 5, 6, maybe a few more psalms. He, he, he wrote them. These are poems. These are prayers. When David was, was away from the place of worship, right about Psalm 27, verse 4 says, One thing I ask, and that is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his holy temple. David was a worship fanatic. Every single day. He just didn't wait for Saturday in his day to do that. Every day he worshiped the Lord. He was a God worshiper, a musician who wrote songs. If you have a heart after God, coming to a place like this this morning isn't hard for you. Okay, some days you might not feel like it. Something's going on. But you long to come into God's presence with God's people and to worship him because your heart wants to praise God and exalt him for who he is and what he has done. That's the kind of heart God is looking for. The A has to do with this, this adoring love that David had for God and even for his law. In Psalm 18, David says, I love you, O Lord. How many times have you, have you said that to God when you prayed to him? I love you, O Lord, my God. I adore you. There's a little chorus we used to sing. Jesus, I love you. I worship. I adore you. Glorify your name on all the earth. I adore you, O God. I love you. We find these words coming through Jesus Christ when, when he calls us to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just this love affair, this love relationship that David had with God, that God looks for anyone who wants to have a heart like him. And then this R is for the relationship with God. The relationship with God through his word. David says in Psalm 119, verse 11, your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. David had a love relationship with God through his word. David meditated, right? Psalm 19, he meditated on, on the word of God day and night. Can you imagine being out in the, in the pasture? You can't because none of us were shepherds. But David is sitting there watching the sheep in the night and, and the night air. And it's this and how often he meditated and probably wrote any number of psalms, even during that time in his life. David had a relationship with God through his word. And if you, if you have a heart that's being developed after the heart of God, you are a person who are involved and in the word of God on a regular basis. You, you are in a Bible study. You have personal devotions because when you get into the word of God, you find that you're building a relationship with God because when you're in the word of God and speaking with the word of God with other people, you find yourself growing closer to God and understanding who God is and understanding how God works. And that only comes by being in the word of God, or even as you're here this morning, hearing the preaching of the word. And finally, the T, trust in the Lord. Uh, Psalm 20, verse 7. Remember, David would become this mighty warrior, right? If you, if you read through First uh, and Samuel, he's going to be even greater than Saul as a warrior. Saul's problem was he, he trusted in his own might, in his own power, in the Israelite army. 
What does David say in Psalm 20, verse 7? Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We could add it to that, shields and spears and the like. But I, what does he say? We trust in the name of the Lord. In a few weeks, the Lord's willing, I'm going to be preaching probably on the most familiar story in the Old Testament of David and Goliath. And, and we're going to meet a David who, unlike Saul and everyone else in all Israel, who trusted in God so much that even though he was a merely 17, 16-year-old shepherd boy, he would step up and answer the call to fight Goliath because he trusted in the name of the Lord and that the battle would be the Lord's. God's own heart, listen to them again. God's will takes precedence over my own, obedience to the Lord's commands, delights and finds one's satisfaction in the Lord, someone who seeks after God, someone who owns up to their sins, someone who waits upon the Lord, someone who understands that I'm not perfect, but God can still use me, someone who, has, who seeks to be honest and a person filled with integrity, someone who exalts the Lord in praising the name of the Lord, someone who adores the Lord and, and loves the Lord, someone who has a relationship with God through his word, and someone who trusts in his word. That is a person who has a heart after God. Now, you might not fit all 12 of these yet, but as you're growing in Christ, you, you, you should be having a heart that's being developed in all of these areas. And if you're missing about four, five, six of them, I mean, this is a call of God speaking to you this morning, saying, okay, I'm gonna take these 12 things home and take a look and see where I maybe have to step up because it's just not two things or three things or five things that I found so often when I Googled this. There are, there are 12 and more. This is the kind of person that is a person after God's own heart. Has anyone ever heard of uh, this book called The Story? It's a story about the Bible. Not, not all the stories in the Bible, but Old Testament, New Testament stories. Some of the greatest stories ever told that were put into book form. And I think there's a movie out on it as well, but I'm not sure of that. But for sure, in, in book form. The music inspired by the story is a 2000 compilation of, of the album of songs by various contemporary music artists. The songs were inspired by scripture passages found in the Bible. Chris Tomlin, which many of us have heard about, wrote one of these songs entitled Your Heart, a song that speaks about David, a man after God's own heart. I want you to listen to some of these lyrics for a moment as we close. It never was about the oil dripping from my head. I never did dream beyond the pastures I could tend. It never was about the praise, not about the street parade. I didn't really need a crowd when Goliath fell down. I never meant to woo a king with simple shepherd songs or hide away inside a cave safe from danger's arms. I never meant to wear a crown or try to bring armies down. It never was about me, who I hope to be. At the end of the day, I want to hear people say, my heart looks like your heart. My heart looks like your heart. When the world looks at me, let them agree that my heart looks like your heart. My heart looks like your heart. At the end of the day, I want to hear people say that my heart looks like your heart. My heart looks like your heart. When the world looks at me, I pray they all may see that my heart looks like your heart. And then at the end of the day, I want to hear people say that my heart looks like your heart. My heart looks like your heart. 
unashamed, I will dance. In your name, lift my hands till my heart looks like your heart. My heart looks like your heart. Like your heart. Like your heart. Till this heart, my heart, looks like your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you could teach us this morning from the scriptures about what you look for in people who call themselves Christians, who call themselves believers. All these character traits, all these virtues, all these, these uh, Christian virtues that you value so much, so much a part of who you are. And yet in, in your goodness and your grace, you, you share them with us. And, and as you shape and as you mold us into becoming like Jesus Christ, you continue to develop that heart within us that, that becomes a heart just like God's. And our prayer this morning is you'll do that for everyone gathered here as, as we seek to be shaped more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. That you may shape our hearts into becoming more Christ-like so that people will know by how we speak 